Proudly coming to you from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Frontier Podcast. I'm your host, Ledge, and we are powered by Gun.io, the engineer's choice for engineering talent. If you like what you hear, please give us a review on iTunes and join the conversation at the Frontier Pod on Twitter. Giddy up! Does your team really need the most bleeding edge technology? How do you choose the right tool for the job without going overboard trying to implement the latest and greatest? Dan Morgan is the VP of Software Engineering and Development at Unitas Global. He joins Ledge to discuss practical solutions to implementing specialized technologies. Experienced listeners won't be surprised to learn that technology is only a small part of the digital transformation equation. Dan also discusses the importance of community involvement for developers, as well as the pros and cons of implementing new technologies into an experienced team's workflow. Dan, thanks for joining us. Uh, why don't you give a quick intro yourself? Sure, yeah. Uh, I'm Dan Morgan. I'm currently with Unitas Global, uh, working on my second year here. Um, quick history, I've got a, kind of a storied history, so I'll try to make it quick. I have been in the development scene now for about 20 years. Uh, spent a good chunk of that as a developer. I'd say probably half my career as a developer. Um, and then I had some flirtations with leadership as, as, a, as a developer leader um, and took a, a director role four years ago now. Um, and I've been leading teams ever since. Um, so, so I've got a lot of interest in, in how we get development done now um, and moved away a little bit more in, in the actually how we code it um, and more how we get it done. What's the nature of the work you know, uh, currently now? So if you're taking a leadership position mm-hmm. around uh, you know, software development, right? You're obviously, you've got teams. They're deploying. What kind of projects are you working on? What kind of um, you know, demands are you seeing sure. from the field? Oh sure, yeah. So we uh, with this with this team specifically, um, and, and sort of con- I'll kind of do a compare contrast on on my, my previous uh, job over at Load Delivered, which is an equally really cool opportunity. Um, what we what we have here is we're we're using containers. Um, so we decided to go all in on the container thing. Haven't really moved into serverless yet, um, but we decided to go with containers, which led us down the road of actually learning um, about the different technologies, you know, Kubernetes, Docker, ECS, uh, I forget what Google calls it. Um, so looking into those technologies um, and developing in that realm. So everything that we do is a microservice now. Um, we've... <laughs> We've had some some less success with trying to run databases and containers. I can tell you a little about that um, at another point. But uh, yeah, so this has been a real interesting um, experience trying to, to really move into that that layer of, of containers, which then plays into uh, DevOps and, and all sorts of areas. And I can I pretty much dig into anywhere you want to go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, containerization is huge. You know, orchestration mm-hmm. of that kind of architecture. Mm-hmm. Um, done a lot of work talking about microservices and you know sort of the domain driven design around doing that the right way would be interested to hear you know um the perspectives for sure on the the database management through containers you know what have you covered there because that sounds like a good story uh yeah so uh we've had less less experience less less good experience with putting databases on containers um just, just some interesting tooling issues um so I think it's funny. I, I always, you know, there's the old joke um, that if a developer can do it, um, if there's a new technology, a developer is going to try to run. Uh, I think the classic is Doom on it, right? You know, hey, a new printer came out. Can you run Doom on it? 
Um, the same seems true of technologies with databases and, and other kinds of things. So I remember, you know, when containers were first introduced and, and really it, containers are not a new technology for anybody who's not aware of that. It's, it's really just keeping the, the, the scope of the operating system in one spot. Um, what what we thought what I, what I thought was really interesting is they're like, well, can we run a database on it? And it was like, no, 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 no. And of course, as soon as you say no, you can't. A bunch of developers tried um, to the point where you know, fast forward to a year ago, um, we were tasked with our uh, uh, SQL Server uh, instance that that uh, they had wanted to run, and and they were like, oh, well, you know, we'll just run it in containers. We can run it on Docker, so that means that everybody at the company or every developer is running a Docker instance. We're going to run SQL Server, and, and we don't have to worry about it. It's all there. Turns out we had some serious problems with deployments on with keeping everybody's copy of SQL Server in sync. Um, it just it doesn't seem to behave quite the way you think it did. Um, so, you know, points to Microsoft. They, they, they got SQL Server running in Linux, and they got it running in container. But we found that it was a lot easier, super easy to script, um, you know, we were able to script up uh, SQL Server loads with uh, with our DevOps pipeline and, and, and we use GitLab. Um, we were able to do a lot better work as soon as we shifted all of our databases over to just be regular instances running on uh, hosted uh, Google instances. So it's cool that you can do it, um, but we just we we found that that's just one area where um, we weren't getting any advantage, and it runs better. So we we switched back to uh, using traditional hosting uh, of SQL Server. So obviously that's that's an interesting place that you know people could pay attention to if you're kind of trying to push the the container bleeding edge then uh, you know watch out for uh, that pit holes or up. I'd say that's one of the best advices I always give uh, yeah. other developers and leads is you know bleeding edge is nice right everybody wants to use bleeding edge you know right now it's blockchain and serverless or your hot and AI those are your three hot terms right um, if we look that up every conference is going to talk about those three well. Do you need it is sort of the, the real question you should always be asking. You know, if you're trying to run a database like SQL Server, do you really need it to run on the, the hottest, latest technology? You know, try to run it serverless, serverless database. Um, and yes, I know somebody's going to comment on your podcast that, that they've done that. Um, <laughs> serverless database. Um, but do you need it? No. Is there a tried and true way of getting that, that piece working? If that's going to be the core of your, your, your application, and, and I would argue databases tend to be, data is sort of really important, um, you should probably make sure you're using the right tool that is known versus bleeding edge. Um, on the other hand, yeah, if, if you have a need for optimization or some, some need for, for edge computing or whatever, yeah, use that. But temper that with using the right tools, um, the, the tried and trusted tools for the things that have already been tested. We know how they work. Yeah, and what's the what's the process you take somebody through to make that determination, right? You know, like what you have a million choices now for for tools. Okay. I mean, the tooling ecosystem is outrageous now. It's huge, and you know, what is the process to take an organization or you know a client or you know your own company through to just what do I need here? Yeah, that, that's an interesting question. Um, it, it's going to change. I mean, it, it, the, the bad answer is, you know, it depends, but, but it does. Um, I would say the first thing that I always do when, when I'm faced, and I can only give you sort of my experience and what I tell other developers, is your first step should be to, to really understand the problem. You know, before you try to bring in tooling, understand what your pain points are. Um, 
rather than rather than going for for best case, look for what your worst case um, situation is going to be. Is you know is latency going to be a problem? Is is data size going to be? You know, are you looking at giant data sets or small data sets? I mean, uh, are are you looking for relations at all in your database? If you're looking at databases, um, you know the, the old NoSQL. When NoSQL came out, everybody wanted to go NoSQL, and then well, how do I relate the data? That's the whole point of NoSQL. Is it was not relational. Um, so it's kind of a we had to back up a little bit. Um, so you have to look at your problem set, and then from there, when you're looking at tooling, and then you know what for, for DevOps, you know, you have the, the argument between Salt and Ansible and Helm and, and Chef. Um, I, I would say two things. One, I, I would look at what's closest to what your, your team is familiar with. Um, if you have a team on staff, um, you know, if everybody's a Python developer, you probably want to look at solutions that look closer to Python or work well with Python, um, that the Python community has adopted and has tooling for. Um, you know, if you try to use some really cool brand new thing and it doesn't support on your technology stack, that was the wrong move. Um, so you want to use the right thing. If you're a new team, um, and I've been in a situation as well, or you're hiring a new team, look at, look at your community. Um, are you going to be able to actually hire somebody? Um, you know, I, I've had conversations where somebody said, you know, why don't you code everything in R? Great. Can I hire anybody who develops in R? It's a pretty good challenge. Um, not a lot of R developers out there. Um, Whereas well, you can, can for two fifty an hour. Okay, yeah, okay, can, but it's going to be a lot easier for me to hire a bunch of Python devs because Python's more popular. Or, but Python, you know, Python single threaded. Maybe it's the wrong solution. So look at the look at what you need. Look at what your resources you have available, and then pick the right solution. Um, I, I would also say, you know, the, what always comes to my my mind, um, especially when looking at open source, um, is what's the community like. How many contributors? How often is it updated? What what are people saying? Read the forums. You know, um, I mean, certainly there's there's always somebody who hates it. There's always somebody who loves it. What's the middle ground saying? You know, what's their what's their turnaround time on these things? Um, and and you know, get with your community. If you're not going to meetups in your community, I mean, I, I, I'm sure that some of your listeners may not be in an area where they can get to a you know meetup if they're they're in the, in a suburb somewhere, but um, if you can get to a meetup, I think there's virtual meetups for a lot of these groups now too. Um, get get working with the community, see what people are saying. You'll you'll find a lot of feedback after the initial excitement of a brand new product. You'll also start hearing a lot of feedback about what people are actually using, um, and, and and that's what really counts, right? Um, if nobody's using it, it can be the coolest product in the world. If everybody's using it and there's a lot of community there, you're going to find yourself with a lot more support. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's right. So we've talked about the tooling layers and the selections and processes and that since, you know, being a software engineer, you know, 20 years, right. And then moving into the leadership position of it, I like to know, you know, we're in the business of, you know, very senior remote software engineers, you know, so mm -hmm. from, from your perspective, you know, if, if you were looking for the most excellent of, of senior engineers that you were to, you know, consume remotely because you just simply can't find them maybe locally or, you know, you want to expand the application of, of your team. You know, what, what's that person look like? What are the key traits? You know, what is the picture of that ideal super senior unicorn engineer? Oh, man, I'm looking for a unicorn now? Okay. Um, purple yeah. unicorn, right? Purple unicorn. Um, you know, I'll tell you that what I look for uh, primarily 
um, again, is that community. Um, I, I tend to look for developers, local or otherwise, um, if I can, that they're 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 in the community. Um, I have a I have a guy who works for me right now. He's he's a member of our the Python community here in Chicago. He's spoken at, at their conferences. I, I find that to be a good sign that he knows his stuff. You know, nobody's going to let somebody who doesn't know anything talk, or at least talk more than once. Um, so I, I look to that um, as as a big thing. I mean, I, I tend to encourage my my teams, remote or otherwise, um, to get out um, to those kind of those meetups, you know, that means they have to take some time off to do it. Um, so I, I do look for the community and what people are saying about that person. Um, I think the other thing is going to be fit. And, um, I have a, I have an amazing guy, um, shout out. He's a UX designer. Um, great shout out to this guy, Dave, uh, Dave Harper. Um, he works for me and he, he impressed me. First thing he did in our interviews, like, well, we're going to do it on, on Skype. I'm like, okay. And he, he plugs me in and it was amazing. You could see his face. He was right there present. Um, he was able to switch cameras. Um, so he was able to do basically everything you could do in person um, and made me feel in the interview and has since made me feel like he might as well be in the room with me. Um, so when it comes to remote developers, that, that's key. Number one is that you're going to be able to join conversation and I'm not going to feel like you're out of touch because you're in a different, different location. So it's sort of that, that, that twofold thing, right? Um, expertise and ability to communicate remotely in such a way that it doesn't feel like you're remote at all. Fantastic feedback. Yeah. I think that's, that's really important that it's so much about, you know, I think we talk about soft skills and it's also about the delivery systems for those soft skills. Mm -hmm. You know, wow. if you don't set yourself up in a way that you have a, a great connection you know, the cameras and, and the sound and, you know, all those things, you just don't get a chance to demonstrate your technical expertise. And yeah. uh, it's not enough to have skills at this point. I, I would also say, you know, getting back to, to some of our conversation earlier, um, when you have remote developers, and I do, I actually have uh, two folks in England um, and I have a, a guy out in Austin, having your DevOps pipeline is huge. Um, if You've got them pushing code and we need to, you know, I need my tester to view it and I need all these things to be moved. I have all these moving parts. If, if you don't have a good Git strategy and you don't have a good DevOps strategy, you can forget about seeing your code, um, seeing what's happening because best developer in the world, if nobody can actually use the code, it's useless. So we've, we've had a huge amount of success by, by, I mean, our pipeline, you check it in, it goes straight to a dev instance within, I think, two minutes. It's, it's up and running. Um, and so we were seeing the results and we're testing right away. That goes a long way. Yeah. Fantastic advice. Dan, I appreciate that. It's uh, awesome having you on. Any, uh, yeah. any additional last thoughts before we, uh, push publish? No, this has been great. Thanks a lot. Absolutely. Good to have you on. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the frontier podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you enjoyed the show and want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io slash podcast to get in touch, and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer. Thanks for listening to the Frontier Podcast produced by gun.io. We're the only freelancing platform where engineers actually go to hire other engineers. If you want to learn more about how to hire or freelance with us, head over to gun.io and get in touch. Let us know you heard the podcast and we'll pay for your first 10 hours with a kick-ass engineer.